In this episode of the Phantom Jukebox, we read from Beethoven's lost love letter addressed to his immortal beloved and place our best guesses at to who they might have been. And we're live. Welcome, everyone, to the Phantom Jukebox. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I'm Joseph Shannon. And we're two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. Our back catalog is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Good Pods, Podbean, uh, Google Play. There's a Samsung, I think Samsung Free, there's one. But if any of those streaming platforms uh, have a rating feature or like a comment box you can write, uh, give us five stars and tell us what you think of the show. Like we really would appreciate it. It helps us out so much on this end. It's a, it seems like a little thing, but for us and other indie uh, shows, it's a real, real big deal. And we'd really appreciate the help. The small stone that creates big waves. <laughs> <laughs> you can also find us on social media at uh, Twitter, Phantom Jukebox underscore, Facebook, Phantom Jukebox, Instagram, Phantom Jukebox podcast. And TikTok Phantom Jukebox podcast. I don't know where you were going with that voice. And I was, that's, what, that's what stumped me. I was just like, <laughs> what is that supposed to be? Like, I, I thought you were going to go inside like, of wisdom. It's like an old, old West guy or some kind. <laughs> you can tell us what you think about the show long ago. But um, in this episode, we're going to talk about Beethoven. Ah. More so, a letter Beethoven wrote. Oh, first question is a little different than we normally start the show. Usually I'd like to ask, you know, what your thoughts are or what your knowledge is of the particular subject of the week. But uh, in this case, Joe, have you ever written a love letter? I have uh, multiple probably uh, throughout the course of, of the high school and middle school years. I was a little little romantic or trying to be uh i don't remember the contents of those love letters but they were all probably relatively the same um was it was it it copy and paste i mean really you wrote like one bomb love letter and copy and paste but like change the names out it was probably like one bomb love letter and then every time it's like it's like oh seventh grade me didn't know what love was now eighth grade me, now I know. <laughs> romance like, romance letter version 2.0. Yeah, so it's like me writing about how like I didn't even know that it, I could feel this way. And like I, I didn't know how wrong I was before about, about what I've said to other people in the past. This, this is real. <laughs> Every year, just that would be the copy and paste is realizing there's more to it than, than what I previously had known. I'd skip Power Rangers just to have you in my arms, baby. <laughs> uh, for me, it was uh, more like Teen Titans. But uh, if uh, anyone had asked me to skip that, it would be a, a big no for me. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have your priorities. You think you're more important than Teen Titans. You can get out of here. 
Oh, man. <laughs> so to before we get into the Immortal Beloved, which is a every time I, I see Immortal Beloved, I immediately go Evanescence, which has been which has been the soundtrack in my head mm. as as the research uh me and Dakota have been going through the research on this episode. Man, how far we've gone from Beethoven to Evanescence. It's, yeah, <laughs> that is a, a drastic change of genre and mood entirely. Uh, but that sense of melodrama apparently has not been forgotten <laughs> and been carried over into Evanescence. But um, before we get into what uh, Beethoven wrote, Let's learn a little bit about Beethoven himself. There's a couple, I mean, I knew a little bit about Beethoven going into this, yeah, but yeah. I wasn't aware of like the specifics of his life. And it gets more interesting than I thought. And in parallels to a musician, I didn't think it would. Okay. In like a sad way. Oh. So Ludwig van Beethoven uh, was baptized the 17th of December, 1770 and was a German composer and pianist of the classical period to the Romantic era, specifically what we consider the classical period to the Romantic era was like his, you know, span of music. Okay. Because it breaks down like there's a, oh man, I'm trying to remember. I had, I took like a music history class and they were talking about it. Uh, I'm at, there's the Baroque period and things like that. There's yeah. Like neoclassical I'm- that comes later. I'm sure any big music history buffs will be quick to point out in a, in a, any indiscrepancies we have in this in this episode. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. But um, I mean, that just goes to show, I mean, he's somebody people are very, very passionate about. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's a name that's hundreds of years old and his music still has prominence today. And I have numbers on that that I'm excited okay. to go over into in just a little bit. A little bit more about his back history that we're going to kind of, this is a real, real, real quick bio. Like if, it, if, if this was an episode about just Beethoven's life, it likely would have been two episodes long. Wow. Yeah. Uh, just, just the things he went through and like did and the, the complicated nature of this tortured person's soul. <laughs> uh, yeah, they would probably have been two episodes. So this, this is just a real quick spark notes of his life just to put into context some things that are going to happen later. And then uh, this is not a, this is not really in detail by any means. We're really jumping a lot of periods here. Okay. So there is no authentic record of his date or birth that survived. Huh? What we have is his baptism. That's why I phrased it that way. Cause we know he was baptized on the 17th, but we don't know specifically how old he was. Oh, uh, based on the customs of the time, it would have been within like a day or two. Okay. So it is either the 16th of December or the 17th of December, 1770, based on the customs of the time in Germany. Typically, like, yeah, it's like, you know, the, the ba- is the baby going to survive? Let's get it baptized kind of thing. Okay. So you can still celebrate his birthday on the weekend of that day. I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, he, he did a lot of stuff. Let's give him two days. Why not? I don't think he'll mind. Uh, he. Uh, his works are amongst the most performed in classical music. If you asked the average person, when you think classical music, who do you think of? It's likely going to be yeah. Beethoven or Mozart. Yeah, those are the top two. More than likely. 
I would say probably like a yeah, it's either Mozart or Beethoven. Yeah. I really can't. I mean, Mozart, some, Beethoven, Blue Oyster Cult. You know the <laughs> likes. The, the boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, top three. He was considered a commoner for the mo- for the at least the early parts of his life. Oh wow, he would became you know people would think oh he is a he was a phenomenal composer and he's done these incredible things, but he is a class level commoner. Wow. It's it's hard to wrap your brain around, yeah. At least to me. So his father aimed to make him a child prodigy in the likes of Mozart. That's another thing I hadn't really considered. I was like, oh, Mozart is in is very near this area because he's in Germany, or they're both around Germany. Yeah. Uh, Mozart is somebody we I would really want to do an episode of. Uh, his he was just kind of born. There's there's theories that he like he may have like had certain dispositions that led him to just being more musically inclined, like heading towards like a savant type level. Okay. There's some theories on that. Yeah. But he was just born good at basic just being able to pick up music and as a child, Mozart was better than a lot of adults in his era. Wow. As a child. So Mo uh Beethoven's father had that want for him. Yeah, because he's like, okay. Yeah. I want my kid to be the next Mozart because Beethoven had, you know, he showed some, you know, some, uh, what, I don't know the word, aptitude, aptitude, aptitude for music yeah. already. And he's like, okay, I'm making this kid great. So his father kind of pushed him in the way of Michael Jackson's father did. Oh, uh, brutal, uh, intense regiments practicing the piano for hours waking him up in the middle of the night to go practice, dragging him to the piano to go practice. Jeez. Uh, he, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good time for Beethoven as a child. His father is, is like, you're going to be great. <laughs> it poor, poor Beethoven. He, 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 he managed to be really, really good. Just not in time to be considered a child prodigy. Mm. Because at 11, he was, a, he was an incredible musician and people were already like thinking about where they were going to, you know, where he was going to go continue his studies and things like that. Like his career as a musician, like was promising at 11. But if he were to say child prodigy, it would, pro- it would, it wouldn't be correct. Okay. Prodigy is a very, very heavy word and a very like, it's a, it's, it has good and bad things. And there's yeah. an episode I think you brought up about like yeah, what I'm, happens to child prodigies when they grow older. In Beethoven's case, he was one of the rare ones that kept it going. Yeah, <laughs> like, he was one of the it was one of the rare exceptions. Like he said, he's not he's not a prodigy, but but I think that worked in his favor. Maybe I mean, it did. Yeah, you know, it was the actual practice every day that got him that good. The suffering at his father's yes. hand, and you know, trauma makes good artists. It does. It does. It, it as sad as it is, it's true. Some of the funniest comedians are the most troubled people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a fair point. So thanks, Beethoven's dad, <laughs> for, for being a real bastard. In 1796, at 26, Beethoven started to notice hearing loss. The exact cause of his hearing loss is unknown. Some theories range from syphilis to lead poisoning, typhus, and possibly even his habit of plunging his head into cold water to keep himself awake. Oh. 
Uh, at one point, he claimed to be uh, he claimed he had suffered a fit of rage in 1798 when someone interrupted him at work. Uh, yeah, he had suffered a fit of rage. So, but he, when you think about all the things that he could have had, that's also a lot of other people as well. We are yeah. talking. We are talking pre 1800s, like right around the turn of that century. So many people had so many horrible diseases. Yeah, if you use silverware, you got lead poisoning. Like some people drank and ate out of like lead cups. Yeah, <laughs> like one of the one of the things you're talking about lead poisoning is because maybe his favorite goblet was made out of lead. <laughs> you know, lead silverware. Uh, Anchor Honkin has, um, I think it has lead in it. Like Anchor Honkin, the uh, that like a uh, kind of glass crystal silver, like glassware. Oh, okay. You know, your, your grandma or somebody in your family might yeah. have, you know, it's a fancy, it's got a lot of like hexagonal cuts and stuff in it. Oh, I believe that has lead in it. Huh? So even things like that, they wouldn't find out like lead was bad till later, like heavy metals entering your bloodstream or being ingested. Turns out, turns out, real bad for you not great it's not the best move (laughs) so by 1814 by the time he was 44 45 he was totally deaf and unable to converse at 45 at 45 jeez so uh one but one of the sources we found said that to converse with people like he could still talk but uh, to converse with people, he had a book you would write questions and he would read it and answer you verbally. Wow. It was, to, it was to that point he couldn't have a conversation. He would get really reclusive in these times too. Like he, he wasn't, he still composed some pieces in this time period of going deaf. Like he wrote, so there were times when he noticed he was, he was starting to have a hearing failure. He composed a lot and he, would, he was losing a bit of it. But there was a point where it kind of plateaued and just kind of held for a while. But I believe after like some point in his 30s, it really started to go. Mm. Like it, between like right around his like when, what you said in his early 40s to mid 40s, it was by that point it was totally gone. So there was a point where it just dropped off and got real, real bad. But in that time, he was still writing like his he wrote a lot of music in that time. Um, but in this time that he was totally deaf, he wrote the ninth symphony, which, yeah, that's a big one. The ninth symphony is probably one of his most favorite works and contains ode to joy. Okay. That's, that, that's just fascinating to me in the sense of like, even though he couldn't hear what's going on around him, I bet you anything he could hear in his head. And that's how like, you just need to put that on paper. That's exactly um, one of the ways uh, I read and they theorized that he, I mean, likely this is how I think he did it. This is how a lot of people think he did it. It's exactly that. He remembered what like C1 sounded like and what wow these things sounded like down to the pitch where he just remembered it and wrote it like based off of memory of what each of the notes sounded like. That's crazy. He put it on paper and was able to perceive these this incredible melody. And you listen to it and it's not. There's there's, you know, the Ninth Symphony is is, is pretty 
going up and down scales in some ways. Like I, I think family guy makes a joke about it at one point, but that's just one part of it. It's an hour long. The whole thing's Jeez. like an hour long. Yeah. Ode to joy is just a part of it. And there's any, he, he, he's writing things in a way that are like really next to each other. There's not like a lot of big jumps. It's like, you know, some repeating notes and then it's kind of going up by scale degree, one at a time almost for, for, for some sections of it, but there's no, it's not just an accident. Like he didn't just write yeah. it to write it. It wasn't it is, guesswork. No, exactly. It is. Everything's there very intentionally. So I, I think it shows determined, like it, it just shows a, how bad he still wanted to do it. Cause he was dead. Like he, uh, he is a, he was already a troubled person, but his depression was on other levels. Like his life was music. And yeah. uh, I think you could have taken everything away from him, but you just leave him with like a piano and the ability to, to compose. And he, th- this is the kind of person I believe that's all he would have really needed. Mm. But he was losing his ability to do like the one thing he really, really loved to do. And, and like anybody, he was just, it devastated him. Yeah. But even through all of that, he still wrote something called Ode to Joy. Wow. I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, too, because thinking about, like, I think I have a pretty good ear. And I think I can pretty much, like, you know, hear a tune and then match it on my guitar. But knowing without hearing anything, yeah, I can, I can like, if I put earplugs in, and just played a keyboard like I would know what that sounded like. I don't think so at all. Another thing to consider is it's not just the piano part that he wrote. Yeah. So when you think about he's writing pieces for a whole like piano pieces and no to joy is famous for being one of the pieces that combined voice and instrument. Mm. Like there's vocal parts with the instrument parts. So he's writing the vocal parts. He's writing the stringed parts, the piano parts. Uh, I don't know if there's any, I don't think there's any brass or anything like that. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. There might yeah. be, there might be, but every part you're hearing in Ode to Joy, if you wrote it, if you played it the way it's written, all Beethoven. Wow. Like he imagined what all, not only writing those parts, but also how they work together. So he's almost writing it out like a math equation. So he's seeing it all together, like written out and he's going, okay, this is how these are going to play together. This is how the midtones are going to play together. That's crazy. Fascinating. You've got to really know your like music theory to even attempt something like that. Almost like it was beaten into you. (laughs) (laughs) Super dark, but I got to do what I can with that. Those weren't eighth notes. Those were quarter notes. <laughs> nine, nine, nine. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so how just to, so now we, we learned a little bit about the man and we're going to move on from his backstory on to kind of why we should care. Why should we care about Beethoven? What what about his work is so special? How good was it really? So his music was written almost 300, if not 300-ish years ago, ish wow. years ago, and is still and is still considered the gold standard for a large portion of classical music. Yeah. So, a guy, 300 years ago, 
around, yeah, eight, around 300 years ago, wrote something that a modern person goes, it hasn't been done better yet. Hmm. It'd almost be interesting. I don't think we have anyone else in any genre that is that to that genre. I'm trying to think of like, because um, when, when we say gold standard, I'm trying to think of like, who's the gold standard of metal? That's, it, it all depends on who you're talking to. That's true. And it depends. And you have to qualify it with some, some like objective, because subjectively, some people would say Metallica, me not being a Metallica fan would say no, unless you're, you're playing just numbers. And then it's like, okay, then you're right. Mm. You know what I mean? It kind of depends. Yeah. Are we talking talent or are we talking like staying power of music? Because Metallica would meet that as well. But I feel like the fact that it's that big of, of, of a debate is why that no one else matches. Because Beethoven isn't that much of a debate. You probably have uh, a group of people that, uh, you know, pick some either Mozart or, you know, someone else. But who else is going to argue with uh, Beethoven? He, he got it. He got the award. <laughs> Give it to him. Now we're finally on to the numbers I was talking about. And it's kind of because Beethoven's gone, you know, he's, he's not a a single entity at this point, a lot of people and multiple composers and musicians will cover his music. So it's kind of hard to compile all that yeah. into one, you know, under one name, but it would be, there's so many hundreds of covers of each song. So just understand it's a lot. So the one I went with uh, just to kind of, I want to go with something everybody would kind of understand is I went with Spotify numbers. Okay. So downloads a month. And this is just something, if you look up the name, you look at the top of the page and it'll say so-and-so this many lessons a month. Oh. Right. So I have a few. Uh, I, for the most part, I stuck with metal just because. Okay. You know. Yeah. For comparison. The composers, I think we're more like the metalheads of their day. Like you get, if you really, if you were to transpose a lot of metal music. Oh, um, I keep using them a lot. They come up so much in the show. Metallica. Yeah. The, uh, the, the orchestral thing they did. A lot of the music translates over because it's using the same music theory. Yeah, that's true. Um, metal and uh, classical music, there's a lot of parallels because the same formulas get used in both. So in a way, like they're like the 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 greats are kind of like proto metal heads. I think especially Beethoven, because I think if I think if we're in metal genres and composers, Mozart's like a math rock guy. You know, like a math, like he's very much yeah. about lots and lots of notes, doing lots of weird interval things. That math metal. Yeah, and Beethoven's about like Beethoven's getting into like the heavy metal, death metal territory yeah like you know like sort of kind of prog but not quite a little genty no <laughs> no no more more than beating the shit out of that that open string <laughs> sorry but you got sorry so that's all i hear <laughs> that low tuning's great but there's more frets um so considering uh metal here because it's fun Trivium has nearly 2 million monthly Spotify 
downloads. Okay. Right. Or monthly listeners. Let's just say listeners. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Two million. Like it's like 1.9 something. Gojira has just around 2 million. Okay. Mastodon is like, is 1 point million something. It's, it's 1 million. Sorry. It's, yeah. it's, it's not quite too many. It's like one and a half almost. Ghost, the band, has 9 million. Wow. Yeah. Radio play. There you go. Uh, considering these numbers that you've heard, what do you think Beethoven's downloads are? Like with a the, month? With a month. How many people are listening to Beethoven on Spotify a month? Trivium, 2 million. Gojira, 2 million. Mastodon, 1 million. Ghost, 9 million. Metallica, I put because it's 24 million monthly. It's an ins- that's insane. Taylor Swift's like 72. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, I'm going to say more than all of the metal bands, but less than uh, Metallica and Taylor Swift. So I'm going to say yeah, like don't, don't, don't 13. Con- don't consider Metallica. Like for, that, that was yeah. just a, that was just a, how insanely popular Metallica is. Um, but wh- how many downloads do you think Beethoven's music gets? I, I'm still going to think it's, it's still, it's surprising at like 13 million. As of this recording, Beethoven's music has over 7 million monthly. Wow. That's still a lot. That's more than any of us expected. Any Trivium, Gojira, and Mastodon, which are three of the arguably the biggest metal bands that are still relevant right now. I'm, just surprised that there's that many people like today that are still listening to classical music, but classical music on Spotify. On Spotify, yeah. I thought it would be more like a, uh, yeah, I like to pull out my classical record and listen to it on the horn. As awesome thing. as vinyl is, and it's a rare thing that I will pull one out and listen, it comes down to convenience, man. Yeah, that's true. Like, it, they even I, make record players that have Bluetooth capabilities. So, I mean. Right. So, I love my vinyl. And like I said, it's a rare treat to sit down because I like listening to the album the way the artist and Matt, like Peter Gabriel's So album. You listen to that from beginning to like from Red Rain down to the last song in order. And it's just an experience. It's an amazing album, by the way. Yeah. He's releasing new music. He just released Panopticon. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> he just released new music and it's really, really good. I'm really, really excited. I wish he would come to Florida. He never will. I don't think he will. Um, anyway, sorry. Uh, Beethoven's got 7 million Spotify downloads. That is very impressive. He's beat Trivium, Gojira, Mastodon, and Ghost. Go, and those four, they, they've toured intermittently between the, the four yeah. of them. Um, we're going to a Mastodon uh, Trivium, uh, sorry, Gojira show yeah. in a couple months and tickets are pretty high. Like it's, yeah, it's a deal. Like we're getting a hotel and everything uh, and Beethoven's beating the majority of them. Ghost has got 9 million because Ghost is on the radio and they write radio songs. Yeah. The other three are more impressive because they don't write radio songs and it's, there still has that kind of an audience. It's kind of a thing with, and this is a separate topic not to get too far on, but it's kind of a thing with metal music. Like you can write radio rock or you can write stuff you actually care about. Yeah. 
because that this, is that is the challenge. The like for in, for example, Inner Sandman, going back to Metallica, because mm-hmm. I, I just I just feel that a lot of people that aren't metal, yeah, they yeah. know who Metallica is. Inner Sandman is the worst song on the Black Album. It's the worst <laughs> song on the Black Album. There's of Wolf and Man through the Never. There's so many yeah, there's better songs. Yeah. And I think that is the beginning of the worst part of Metallica. Mm. Like that is a decent album, but it's also the most like it's the beginning of tame Metallica. Like eh. <laughs> we want to we want to be on the radio. So we're going to be done writing Master of Puppets, even though Master of Puppets is on the radio. Yeah, whatever. But uh, yeah, the singles of an album are the worst songs on the album. Seven out of ten. Fun thing. Uh, Five Finger Death Punch has uh, six million. <laughs> really? They have less than Beethoven. Eh. Yeah, but more than the others. They are the kings of writing bullshit music for the radio. Yeah, that's true. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I found that out and it made me really happy. It's one of the first things I typed. It was, I was like, Beethoven, seven million. How many downloads? Was- <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, now we're getting to... Uh, Immortal Beloved, the letter itself. Oh. So. You're my wonder wall. <laughs> honestly. Is that, is that, ooh. Ooh. I might have quoted a Oasis <laughs> might, back in the day. I didn't know you had read his letters. <laughs> so let's set the scene. Finding the letter. In March 1827, Beethoven is dead at 56. Oh, wow. Yeah, he died at 56. Yeah. To be fair, this is the 1800s. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> America's not that old. He, he died at 56. Like, eh. yeah. This is when, this is before, like, um, ooh, I'm trying to think of like Civil War era. And it wasn't until like the Civil War era where doctors were like, hey, you know, Sean? I think I need to wash my hands before I go work on the other guy. What do you mean draining the blood to get the demon out isn't working? <laughs> oh, man, he, he, uh, he nicked himself at dinner time with a butter knife. I think we're going to have to take his arm off. Yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's done for. <laughs> yeah, fifties, uh, that's, that's not too bad for uh, this era of time that we were in. It's the ripe old age of 56. I feel the cold hands of the Grim Reaper. <laughs> no, no, no. His dad sounds like the nasally guy. Beethoven sounds like a Werner Herzog. Do you, you know Werner Herzog? He's a director. No. He was in um, The Mandalorian. Okay. He's the guy. He's like, hello, bring me the child. <laughs> Yoda is a baby and I would like him in my possession for the empire. <laughs> he's, he's got a bizarre accent and I'm not too far off. Like it's, it's yeah, that was pretty good. Hello, Werner Herzog. He's a very, do you have any quotes from the letter? Yes. You know what you have to do. I, I, I've got music <laughs> for it. So in March 1827, Beethoven dies at 56 due to poor health. So many bad things. Like yeah. what we talked about earlier, progressed that another decade. You know, poor health, that was just dying of old age at the time. 
Who knew that drinking from my prized lead cup would lead to such poor health? (laughs) His assistant, Anton um, Schindler, discovered a hidden drawer, rude, which contained some pictures, money, and two documents. Oh. The first document was addressed to his brothers in 1802 that will later be known as the German Word Testament. It is the... uh, Hi of Heiligenstadt Testament, H-E-I-L-I-G-E-N-S-T-A-D-T. Heiligenstadt? Yeah, yeah, that. Testament. I know the thing with like German is, and basically every other language is like you pronounce every single letter. And it's not, it's (laughs) not like it. And so for, for us and our broken English. Yeah. Uh, language is knife, right? Would be K N I F E, right? Yeah. My spelling's terrible. That would be kniff. Like they would, it's the whole thing. That's nice. Knife, you know, knight. You know, the way it should be. Yeah. There's no reason to have a K and knife. That's stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> the K is silent. Uh, Beethoven lamented in, in this back to his documents, lamented in his increasing deafness and wrote to his despair and depression over the impact of, uh, you know, this would have on his musical abilities. You know, again, you, you need, you gotta have your hearing. And then like, even if you think it's like, well, if you can't hear somewhat, maybe it's not so bad, but it's pitch is really important too. And when your job is music, you need all of them. So, yeah, at what point does his memory start to fade of what the notes sound like? Right. Because, I mean, yeah, as he's going deaf, he can probably still remember. But then once he is deaf, like, I, that can't last forever. No, and it's just the fear of. Yeah, of forgetting. Know, or you just remember mathematically looking at something going, this is what this interval sounds like. Or just knowing music theory so well that it's like. I don't need to hear it to know that it sounds good. It's like, you're not so sad that I drug you to the piano at four in the morning now, are you, Beethoven? <laughs> you can't even hear me badmouth you. God. Though, Father, I cannot hear you. I know you are very disappointed in me. Oh, no. <laughs> the second document would be one of history's most famous and Hotly debated love letters. Oh. It was another letter written in pencil in Beethoven's uneven scrawl over 10 pages. Wow. Revealing his emotional torment and desire for an unnamed woman. 10 pages doesn't say who it's for. Oh. Mm-hmm. You're my wonder wall. <laughs> yeah. It expresses his longing for them to be together through Beethoven's hopes for the relationship to seem, uh, though his hopes seem to darken as the letters continue. So bright and cheerfully like, Oh, my sweet Caroline, I feel that we should be together one day. And then later on it ends, you know, he has resignation towards like page 10. Get, get a little dark by page six, but by page 10, he's writing stuff like ever thine, ever mine ever ours so basically he's just like it'll never happen wow so he's kind of reserved to just being uh that's that uh, i can't say it (laughs) 
<laughs> to just being a sad boy in the corner. Yeah. Uh, writing his super in if you hand it could you imagine imagine walking up to somebody you're interested in looking like beethoven giant hair super intense face handing them a love letter that's 10 pages long <laughs> you, you, just, you got a letter you got an envelope it's folded over a little heart with wax sealed into it it's a, little, a little heart <laughs> Maybe a little lipstick, make it spicy. Ten pages. That's a and scroll. you hand it to him. The the it would be a packet. The letter would be puffy because it would have so much lit, so much paper in it. Literature, yeah. literature, and it would it would it would be heavy. I wrote this for you some time ago. I hope you would appreciate it. Wow, that slowly turned into Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wrote this letter for you. That you got to admire the commitment at any time in those 10 pages. He could have been like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't after page five, like, is this too long? I'll just write a minor symphony and it'll be fine. This is five pages. This is too long. And it's like, I'm only complimenting her. This can't be weird. I should probably wrap it. No, I'm gonna go on. (laughs) Well, I've already written seven pages. Might as well go the full 10. (laughs) So, my immortal beloved, I got some excerpts from the uh, from the article, and oh. I have some music. <laughs> Hopefully, this isn't too loud. <laughs> a little spicy music for the background. Okay, okay. So, a lo-fi. What's in these love letters? This music's called Feeding the Ducks, by the way, which is a metaphor for uh, happy fun times. (laughs) The dance with no pants. The dance. (laughs) Finding one's curious George. (laughs) I just heard. I just, I um, I got got a response from Dakota on that one. You seemed like you'd be pretty good at writing a love letter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hmm. Ah, oh, needed man. to take a sip of my tea for that one. Really cleanse the palate of whatever just happened. <laughs> well, here we go. Certainly here. things are going to need to be cleansed after you get some of these quotes. Okay, here we go. So what's in these letters? Quotes like, so it begins with, my angel. I actually kind of want to go back to you. My angel is my all, all to myself. Another quote. While still in bed, my thoughts rush of you, my immortal beloved. Oh. Sometimes joyfully, other times sadly. Oh. <laughs> Waiting to see whether fate will listen to us. That's really sad. Love demands everything and rightly so. And thus it is for me, with you, for you, with me. Oh, man. Can our love persist except through sacrifice? So not demanding everything? There's a question. Yeah, I kind of wanted to, like, 
one of the iterations of this was to have me have you read this, but as, um, as like somebody from, uh, like an emo band. Oh no. But, uh, I didn't want to torture you that bad. <laughs> but if you write in the comments that you really want Joe to read these <laughs> lyrics as if he were in like panic at the disco or, uh, uh I just put on some, uh, copyright free, uh, you know, blink One Eighty Two backing tracks. My and- angel, my all <laughs> myself. It still gets to be the one about the thoughts coming to him while he's in bed. <laughs> sometimes happily and sometimes other times sadly. Because <laughs> the night will be the night. Tonight will be the night. <laughs> in the stylings of what's his name from that Black Parade band. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, um, who would be the recipient of, uh, such, such spicy literature? Well, we have the contestants here. (laughs) We have three contestants for you now to choose from Joe Pamela Anderson. Based on the descriptions, you're going to have to tell me which one you think it is. Okay. Okay. I got this. Contestant number one is a sweet young thing with a passion for music and music makers. Hot for the teacher, Julie, Julietta Gucciardi. Okay, okay. Contestant number two, philanthropist, art collector, arts patron, and close friend. She likes pina coladas and getting lost in the rain. Sincerely yours, Anthony Brentardo. Contestant number three is a woman of high standard. She likes her dessert rich and her men richer. If they don't have proper credit, she'll just walk away. Living in the material world, Josephine Braun von Brunswick. So, Joe, do you think it's contestant one, two, or three? Immediately, the scene from Shrek is coming to mind. That's exactly what I got. Pick number three, Malone! Number three! Three, Malone! I'm going to pick number two. So you're picking Antony Brinzardo? Yes. Obviously, Beethoven is a fan of pina coladas and getting lost in the rain as well. Him and his sad hair. Collecting art. (laughs) Well, let's find out if you're right. Based on theories, by the way. So let's learn about contestant number two first. So... Real quick, actually, there's technology does give us some answers, so we don't get exactly who, but we can point to who we think it might be. Okay. So over the past 30 or 40 years, uh, musicologists around the world have been trying to figure out who is the, excuse me, immortal beloved. It's down to the point that they analyze the actual paper, the, like, the, letters, written, the letters are written on. Oh, wow. And with that, they have been able to determine a period, not only a period of time that the letters are written in, but a place they might have come from. Mm. So the letters were theoretically written at a stagecoach. uh, They believe strongly that it was written at a stagecoach roadside in on May. uh, Sorry, on Monday, July 7th, 1812. How it I think they're 
So they know it's around 1812 and they're also combining this with like his journal and like agenda. Okay. So they're going back to like, okay, it's, it's going to be around 1812. And then where was he in 1812? And then based on, you know, tying the red string here and here and here, it all like crosses yeah. at roadside in Monday, July 7th, 1812. Hmm. And based on that, they're able to pinpoint, they basically narrowed it down to pretty much the three. And there's even one that's even within the three, there's a pretty strong one. So let's learn about contestant number two, the one you picked first. So Anthony, uh, Anthony or Tony uh, Brent Brentano. It's like Brent Anno. Yeah. She was a wealthy heiress that Beethoven would often visit and sometimes just play piano outside of her bedroom door and suite. Oh, that's got to be it. That has got to be it. Winner. We'll see. Don't we'll see. She loved um, he loved her family and Beethoven was even friends with Tony. That's her, she had a nickname, Tony's husband. Oh. So it's like a Jesse's girls type situation. Uh, she is a real possibility, but experts say Beethoven had a moral high ground that wouldn't allow him to follow through with the affair with a married woman whose husband was a friend and financial advisor. Like he borrowed money from this guy. Oh, so damn. It could be, you know, you know, it's a, not a bad pick, but likely not like you was, you know, not the worst one, but likely not. Um, contestant number one, going back to the top, let's look at Julia, Julieta <laughs> Gucciardi. I think that's G U I C C I A R D I. Yeah. Word. Was a wealthy daughter of noble parents. She began taking piano lessons from him in 1801, and he almost immediately fell in love with her. Though she was married to a count later on, who was also a composer. Oh, so basically, rivals. it's like having all these parallels, but a thing that would happen a lot to Beethoven was what we talked about in the beginning is that you're great. I love everything about you. Your personality is so great, but poor <laughs> you're a commoner oh you know it's like it's kind of one of those how yeah. could i forget thanks for bringing it up again janice <laughs> yeah but but why i i have written all this beautiful music our families get along so well well i get along so well with your family yeah he's the count yeah and he, he's got chocolate. He's Count Chocula. <laughs> so he, she was married to a count, but that didn't stop. Well, in contrary to what we just read, Ludwig, apparently Ludwig did not care. And he dedicated the song Moodlight Sonata to her. Oh. So it's kind of a contradiction to this moral high ground thing he was talking about. But maybe it also was the fact that he borrowed money from oh. the other guy. Moonlight Sonata is also my favorite piece of Beethoven. It could have been written by a sad, horny composer. Yeah. It's that times, uh, you know, he was that era's My Chemical Romance. Well, and finally, contestant number three, 
Josephine von Brunswick. Uh, growing up a fan of Beethoven's work, uh, Josephine eventually became one of Beethoven's students. Beethoven later admitted that he had, uh, he had to suppress his love for Josephine and he felt enthusiastic, uh, and she felt enthusiastic about him. I, it's kind of, I imagine that's good news. I suppose it's not the worst news to hear. Like, you'll find me enthusiastic. <laughs> not charming, handsome, available. <laughs> that seems like such one of, like, one of those backhanded compliments. Yes, it's like, you know, you're very enthusiastic. Homely. Enthusiastic. Those pants You've make- got great spirit. What that outfit says is that you're very enthusiastic. <laughs> oh, no. It's like you couldn't have said it's, good. It's the non-Southern way to say, oh, bless her. Bless heart. her. <laughs> oh, bless her heart. It's, it's the, mean, the mean German composer circle. <laughs> um, so he liked her. She, uh, at least he thought she liked him. But their family needed a wealthy son-in-law with equal social standing uh, to them. So she was a she was a countess again. He's a bum. Well, he's not a bum. Okay. He's just yeah. he's just yeah. broke. He's a normal dude. So she married a much older twenty uh, a man twenty like twenty seven years older than she was. Oh. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it just it, it it's a thing that would. That's the thing that really sucked about Beethoven is like he was connected into these circles of, you know, these, these high end wealthy people, but yeah. he, he never could get in. And it's like, you know, like, oh, we love you. What'd you say? Mary? No, 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 no. Which is crazy. Because it, it would bring their status down. Yeah. But also like if he was still alive, he'd be like one of the richest people alive. Well, he, he went through some money. Yeah, but also like he would he would have worth, but he might not have money. <laughs> if if his name could still hold the royalties over all those years. What I'm saying is like if take him from then, if he just never died and was immortal, he would have so much by collecting all through he's still getting millions of plays on Spotify. Right. Like <laughs> You know, I'm not a count, but I have 7 million downloads. <laughs> you know, that's a whole million more than the five finger death punch. You know, instead of welcome to the black parade, I've made welcome to the black plague. <laughs> Been sitting on that one for a minute. <laughs> I wrote a song. My life is no parade. <laughs> my father would drag me at night to the piano. <laughs> God, that's going to suck. That was- <laughs> I would claw at the tile floor and beg him to stop. <laughs> Sorry, his life was terrible. Yeah, it was his bad. childhood life was terrible. Well, it didn't Maybe seem his to life- get great. <laughs> you know, like if doing great things doesn't mean you had a great yeah, life. His, his life, his life. That is a fair point. He, did, he was really he was great at his craft. He did amazing things, but he, his life never really got great. Joe, I want that on a shirt. I want a bus, I want a picture of a bust of Beethoven that says, "Doing great things doesn't mean you had a great life." Yeah, yeah. It's sad, but it's true. <laughs> Damn, that's pretty good. That, I want that <laughs> shirt. Because it makes you go, what do you say? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like, uh, oh, oh yeah, uh, the painter with the one ear, uh, Van, Van Gogh. Gogh. Yeah, good God, great things, terrible life, terrible life. I mean, went out with a bang. The the literal torture that that man went through, it's unbelievable. I just got the hardest side eye from Dakota for that joke. I tried to keep going. I tried to push I, I, it through. I, I saw, I saw you just kind of like very like half roll your eyes as I said it. So even though she got married to a much older man, uh, Beethoven remained her piano teacher and visited often. And when she, and she too became widowed, Beethoven continued to see her. Uh, rather too frequently, a sister Charlotte soon observed and uh, wrote wrote her more and more passionate love letters. 15 separate letters. Oh, wow. So they wrote back and forth for a while, but her parents pressured her to terminate their relationship because he was a commoner. They eventually cooled off and she remained, uh, and she remarried to a man of higher standing. Mm. So I bet that man doesn't have 9 million downloads a month on Spotify. Well, neither does Beethoven. Or was he six? He was a seven. Seven. Yeah. The greatest cover, the greatest uh, REM. I'm sorry. The greatest Blue Oyster uh, cover band of all time, Ghosts. It's got the nine million. (laughs) Ah, yes, yes. Heavy REM. (laughs) Got that. Got that nine million downloads. This, was, this relationship was a disaster from day one and ironically ended up in financial ruin. But they stayed close in letters and found a, uh, letters found later and published in the 1950s. Beethoven calls her my angel, just like in the immortal beloved letter. Oh. All of the pieces are coming together. Hmm. <laughs> They're about, about to solve this case. So... Um, that kind of, so that's a lot of like the immoral beloved. We're going to come back to that in the conclusion. Um, I got some kind of like fun, uh, kind of like a, a little bit of like that fun fact of Beethoven. Uh, okay. Okay. To kind of just pull off to the side real quick, got a little intense with the, uh, the dating game. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking big, going back to like how great Beethoven was and kind of ironically having a super hard dating life yeah what would you think would be a truly awesome way for your work to be remembered oh if i was like a musician of the same caliber just your music okay let's say you know think big but like what it would be a would be like one of the coolest things i would love to um produce a full soundtrack like basically go mick gordon and do uh, like my music is like, you know, gets like a Grammy for the best soundtrack, not just the best album. But imagine like immortalizing that. Mm. How do would you want that remembered? What could be done with that physical, you know, that music that would, you know, kind of keep it almost permanently relevant? You know, just a, kind of like you know, a, a statue, museum, something like oh. that. Oh. Um, I don't really know if the, the hall of fame is kind of, uh, especially the rock and roll hall of fame nowadays, it's, kinda, taste, it's yeah. lost. It's, uh, 
it's a meeting. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm not really into the the flashy side of it like that. Well, uh one of the cool ones, well, one of the cool things about uh in this in for Beethoven is that he his music, two pieces of his music um are on the Voyager spacecraft. Really? It's 11 billion miles away from Earth. That I think Voyager one is the furthest man-made thing from Earth. Wow, that's pretty cool. So like, there's a disc on there that contains like a bunch of different samples of Earth, basically like different languages saying hello, sounds, uh, and then there's like 90 minutes of music. Uh, Mozart's on there three times. Beethoven, Beethoven's on there twice. Mm. He's one of so there's Mozart and Beethoven are the only two that have multiple tracks on such precious uh disc space literally mm. uh just kind of i just thought it was kind of a cool thing to throw in mozart beethoven oasis right the likes <laughs> the aliens like oh pop the disc in and wonder wall comes on it's like this has to go we gotta take this no place even out. the aliens like not this song again oh my god i can't get away <laughs> from this song <laughs> doesn't matter if you're like a you've never been to earth before you already know of wonderwall and you've heard it too many times ironically did we know the aliens actually look like they crawled out of hot topic <laughs> um so it's the string quartet number 13 uh the cavatina and then symphony number 5 uh which is the dun 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 uh, a fifth of Beethoven is actually kind of like a fun remix of that. It's like the disco version, huh. but uh super, super, one of his, probably his most dramatic piece, probably one of my favorites too. Okay. Such a dramatic piece. So just a little bit of levity before we kind of wrap this one up. So in the conclusion, because the conclusion's a bummer. <laughs> so the conclusion of this is Beethoven never married or had any legitimate children of his own. I say legitimate because we don't know if he had kids in general. Um, there were people thrown around that he had like an illegitimate child. And then there are a lot of people saying he didn't. He was known to have prostitutes. Oh. So, you know, place your bets. Okay. Um, he did, however, uh, so he was a bachelor his whole life. He did, however, try to be a parent to his young nephew who he retained, who he obtained uh, custody of from his sister-in-law, uh, Johanna von Beethoven. Uh, this went horribly. So Beethoven, unfortunately, is not a great guardian. He loved his nephew, but parent material he was not. Yeah, unfortunately. Um. So the custody battle is also known for being one of the ugliest and most traumatic at times in Beethoven's life. I believe uh, something happened to his nephew. I don't, I, I want to say it was the nephew tried to take his own life at one point or just had all these arguments with Beethoven. And this is around Beethoven's latter years and like his late forties. And this is when his health like plummeted because he was like heartbroken over things involving oh, his nephew. Yeah. Yeah. He, he loved his nephew, but he was not a good, he did, he did not do well as a guardian. Uh, the good news is, is that his nephew, uh, wound up going off on his own and did very well 
as you know, living a pretty good life on oh, his own. Nice. He just kind of needed to figure it out for himself. Oh. So and um that that there's at least a little bit of of lightness there. Um coincidentally in the nineteen ninety four movie Immortal Beloved, um, pinned Joanna at Joanna as Beethoven's uh love interest, but uh you know, there, there's some the articles we saw that they might have like had Joanna, at, you know, his his sister in law, as a potential of the candidates for being the immortal beloved. But a lot of people that later on with the, what they found out about like the letters and stuff and the stagecoach yeah. things, um, the sister in law thing very much just gets her being a candidate just gets smaller and smaller. Like it, it becomes more and more unlikely. Uh, and there's a letter actually from him in 1826 where he calls her an extremely depraved person and described her character as evil, malevolent, and treacherous. Oh. Uh, on various occasions, he called her Queen of the Night, referring to the villainess of Mozart's famous opera, The Magic Flute. Okay. So it's doubtful. Man, people really knew how to like throw shade back then. I know. I think that needs to come back. Yeah. If you're going to say something horrible to somebody, make it spicy. <laughs> do it with Let's some do flair. It. Do it with some flair, man. Uh, Shakespeare had the best. Oh, yeah. You and I should become better strangers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. That's mm, <laughs> chef's kids. So, um, but most fingers point to Josephine, according to her diary entries in June 1812. Josephine clearly intended to go to Prague at this stage. However, her and her sister uh, end abruptly and do not continue until about two months later. Uh, meanwhile, Beethoven also traveled to Prague in 1812, so maybe they were meeting up. Oh. Uh, Josephine's main concern was to retain the uh, custodianship of her four children. Um, and she managed to remarry, uh, a guy named Stackelberg with the stipulation that he could, uh, that he could leave her at any time. Wow. That's sad. Which he subsequently did when a, uh, a daughter was born when, you know, they had a daughter, uh, Minoa was born. Uh, I think that's how you say that. M I N O N A was born, uh, April 8th, 1813. And he, he thought this might not be his kid. So he's like oh. bailing, which is awful. <laughs> and it's theorized that Manoa was fathered by Beethoven during their possible time in Prague, but this is unconfirmed. Mm. So this is that kind of like, maybe it's his kid, but no, there hasn't been anybody that's like come up. There, nobody of like real merit that we came across in the time that we we're reading was like, he very likely had a kid. Hmm. so still it's all speculation and ultimately um beethoven's immortal beloved remains a mystery though strongly strongly think it's josephine von brunswick okay very strongly so yeah is that what do you, what do you think of that episode wow our, that's... Our, our kind of valentine's day special but dakota's wanting to been wanting to do this episode for uh, since last year and uh last year's valentine special was taylor swift and the illuminati <laughs> called to us a little stronger than uh beethoven last year but uh we we made sure to do it uh for this uh this episode for this year for sure 
I never knew there was so that Beethoven was so relatable. Uh, you know, being <laughs> being a uh, you know ex uh, well not uh, I I used to be uh, in the in the goth stage in in my youth. Uh, now I just wear regular clothes so I can go to work. But <laughs> you never get out of it. You just put on normal clothes. But you can wipe it away, but the eyeliner's still there. Uh ah, wow. He really he really was a, a little heartthrob back in the day. I wouldn't say heartthrob. He, he was heart, trying to be. He was <laughs> he was he was sad and horny. But I don't I don't know that I would call him a heartthrob because a lot of every picture, literally every picture, every bust. And a lot of descriptions that describe Beethoven as like intense and grumpy. Intense. Yeah. Almost as if your father beat you nightly to make you great. <laughs> oh, man. No, father. I do not want to play piano tonight. I just want to dream. <laughs> no, Beethoven. Dreaming is for later. <laughs> play something for me as I get drunk. God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, PSA, if your kid doesn't want to play piano, maybe they like soccer instead. I don't know. Let them do something else. Yeah. You can't, I don't know, like sleep. Well, actually, there's a sad thing we learned. Apparently, you can beat greatness into your children. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but it's not advised. You can, you can beat skill into your children, apparently. Skill. But that still will not amount to them having a great life. Right, right. Oh, man, I love that quote. Just because someone's great doesn't mean they had a great life. <laughs> yeah. Which is true for a lot of heroes, though. Yeah. You know? A lot of people. Oh, man. That's a good quote. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, uh, any, any final thoughts on this episode? I'm I'm going to take a listen into into some old Beethoven and see you know I compare and contrast uh you know that era of Beethoven especially when he was going through the heartache and the horniness uh you can't actually break Beethoven down into three there's like the beginning of his like the, it's like I think they break it down into three periods yeah like their beginning where he's kind of like you know the early composer to the second and they call them ages and I think the last one's called the heroic age Okay. For Beethoven, because like they describe it as like him really, and I think it is, I think you're you're on to something. I believe these ages are are bookended with different uh life events. I think one at the at the end of the first one, I believe, is when his mother and father excuse me, I believe when his mother dies. Mm. And then like the second one, something else happens and like the rest of his family dies. Wow. Uh, when his brother died, he was really bothered by that. I mean, obviously, but yeah, um, uh, his brother passing affected him greatly. You know what I mean? But um, it affected his music. And, and you notice like, there's also decreases in his outputs of music at the time because he wrote up uh, loads and loads and loads of music because it was his job um, putting on cons, you know, putting on shows and things like that, writing for other people who wanted uh, music. And they would the output would decrease as his. Uh, you know, he would go into like darker and darker places. And so like, I mean, one of his most uh, immortal pieces is the, the ninth symphony. Yeah. And, and it's got ode to joy on it and he can't help if it's to think it's a little bittersweet. 
Yeah. You know. Wow. Maybe. So that's it for the immortal beloved. Um, some quick shout outs. I wanted to talk uh, for uh, fellow shows. Uh, talking earlier at the beginning of the podcast about like, uh, you know, subscribing and leaving comments and stuff on. Uh, we got some friends on uh, Twitter. Like, you know, we want you to kind of check these people out. Uh, the Florida men on Florida man is a fantastic show being here from Tampa. Uh, you know, these, they cover insanity that happens in Florida because it does. I mean, there's Florida men yeah. for a reason. They are at FM of whoop, hang on F M O F M podcast. That's at F M O F M podcast. Um, yeah, they talk about crazy stories that happen in Florida and they, they've got something, I think I believe it's a weekly show. Even they've just nice. There's so much. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm kind of proud and sad at the same time. I've never been more like, yeah, Florida. But then like, Oh no, Florida. There's a, a vending machine that I told you about before that gives you the mystery items. One of them is actually a Florida man uh, option. It just gives you like a full bio of this Florida man person. You know, I bet there's like a, there's gotta be like a California man, but Florida man's just the most famous. I'm sure we do the most famous kind of she is. Uh, and then there's a, uh, another show called completely off the rails. That is at C O T R underscore podcast at C O T R underscore podcast, completely off the rails. They are solving problems with humor, sarcasm, and ADHD. You may get offended, but in a good way. Mm. Yeah, those are just some other uh, great indie shows that uh, we follow and that are, yeah, they've been really great to us. And um, with that, I want to thank uh, you, Joe, for being here. Thank you, Ty. Thank you for enjoying this ride with me. Uh, thank you, Kenny Grooms, for mixing and mastering the soundtrack. Yes. The soundtrack, the, uh, the theme song. See, I thought I had Our this. intro. Our intro music. I, I thought I had this, but we're two episodes back into the season. <laughs> I haven't quite got my stride back yet. We'll, we'll come back full stride. We will. I'm, we'll we, be in full stride. We're, we're so enough. much better than the, we, when we, when where we started yeah. the first episode of season two, but we, we picked it up by that point. Um, Dakota for doing the social medias and helping out so much with the research on this episode. So uh, you can find us at uh, Phantom Jukebox underscore on Twitter. Uh, Phantom Jukebox on uh, Facebook, Phantom Jukebox Podcast on Instagram, and uh, TikTok at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. We're on everything. We're 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 on a lot of the socials. We, we're working on YouTube. We're 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 slowly approaching YouTube. YouTube and then MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> gotta take MySpace back. <laughs> Start the hashtag on Twitter. Bring MySpace back. Good luck. That is a, that is a quiet. <laughs> That is a quiet hill to die on, sir. <laughs> the Patreon and then, you know, our top five uh, Patreon members will be the top five friends list on the <laughs> <laughs> fighting for this. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pay. It's a microtransaction thing. <laughs> pay to stay on top. It's That's so a, cold. Just a bunch of paywalls. Oh, my God. Oh, oh anyway. So. I had a lot of fun with this one. I like Beethoven yeah. and then uh, to learn so much about him. This is, this is, this is a fun ride. This is why I love doing the show. It's very interesting. There's a lot about Beethoven I did not know. So, but now you do. He was a sad, 
sad, lonely genius. Even though you can make great things, doesn't mean you've had a great life. <laughs> no. And with that, until next time.